Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, my connoisseurs of stories and tales. And today, folks, I bring you brand new old-time radio episodes, of course. But this time, from the This Is Your FBI series. I wanted to shake it up for you lovelies, and the quality in these episodes are quite good. Which means I'm able to really push the audio to its limits. Today, I've done something a little different. I've stripped out reverb that shouldn't be there. Bumps and thuds in the audio where possible have been cut, and a new tool to get rid of the static noise. I think it did a really good job of cutting out that noise actually, but you can be the judge. Right now I'm drinking Madura Premium Blend Tea, which is basically black tea for $5. <laughs> there is no description for this tea, not even online, but let me describe it to you. Madura tea is smooth, dark, and tastes slightly roasted. Drink it with or without milk. Either way, it's bloody delicious. Think Earl Grey meets Russian Caravan, folks, minus the bergamot and the extremely strong flavour of Russian Caravan. A happy medium where both those flavours meet, and BAM! You have Madura Premium Blend. And for $5 per 50 tea bags, it's gonna be one of my staple teas, mates. Now listeners, your first tale, The Friendly Hijacker, and your second tale, The Careless Kidnapper, are just around the corner. Theft from two different crime categories today. But before we jump in, I have to thank those that support me, because they help this show so, so much. Matthew J. Bauer, aka Detective Hoosits. Detective Hoosits seemingly stumbles upon evidence wherever he goes. So many cases he solved by others simply overlooking a thread, a small brooch, or a tuft of hair. Hoosits knows who's done it before most people knows who's dead. Once on the scene, be sure to clear your team out and make way for the cavalry. And Maya, aka Detective Cleanhouse. With one word, Cleanhouse's team's ability to turn any crime scene into an interrogated gallery of evidence is second to none. Not one investigation of hers has had evidence disappear, shift, or move under her watch. Crime under her thumb has not only declined, but corruption has deteriorated significantly as well. Clean House keeps the city honest. Mates, both of you are bloody awesome. Thanks to you, I'm trying out some new techniques on today's audio, using D-Reverb for the first time on parts of the story so that the echo doesn't assault everybody's ears. So yeah, you two are single-handedly helping all of us hear audio with clarity. I think it worked out really well, but it's still a little tricky. Again, thank you both so much for helping me with your support. And also your lovely emails. I really enjoy reading and responding. And my two lovelies that are my white tea warlords. I own cows, Captain Brovine, who has never missed a beat, not once, in 20 years of service. Captain Brovine is the idol that other officers from any security force look up to. Strength, honor, and above all, integrity. Having worked with Detective Cleanhouse in the past, you know you're working with the best. Lee Bauer, Detective Scope. Working hand in hand with Detective Hoosits, Scope is renowned for his ability to get in and locate evidence that was hidden, tucked away from plain sight, stashed away between two boards, or tucked away in the air vents. Scope possesses a bloodhound ability in finding hidden items, and with Detective Hoosits, makes a formidable duo. Thank you both for your support. I am working with others online to give back to the community in one way or another, and your support is making that possible. And of course, my Earl Grain forces. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lorraine Grisanto, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Michelangelo Yacone, Robert Fisher, and Tasha Moncrief. The blood in my podcast veins. Thank you so much, guys and gals. And if you want to be just as awesome as all of the above, visit my Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt, where you can support the show directly. Now turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and get cozy. We're going to listen to something awesome, just like you.
The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This is your FBI. This is your FBI, an official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Are you one of the 50 million Americans covered by Social Security? If so, have you any clear idea of your rights and benefits under Social Security? Well, there may be a pleasant surprise in store for you. Or in a few minutes, you will learn from our sponsor, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, how easy it is to build social security into full security. Tonight's FBI file, The Friendly Hitchhiker. One of the outstanding characteristics of the average American is a natural friendliness toward the stranger. Now, this is an admirable trait, and certainly, in general, it is one to be preserved and encouraged. But unfortunately, there are a great many persons at large who make criminal capital of friendliness. And there are many occasions, such as in tonight's case from the files of your FBI when it is wise to avoid the stranger altogether. Already the prairie growth was beginning to take on the first tints of a Texas panhandle sunset. With the young man in the sailor suit trudging along the highway with his battered suitcase, it looked as if night would catch him still some 50 miles from its goal, Amarillo. Unless this car that's coming down the highway stops. All right, well, you stop. Morning, you, sailor? Yes, sir. Then get aboard, son. Gee, thanks. I was afraid you were going to plow right on by. I didn't notice your uniform until I was right on you. Well, some people stop for it, some don't. I guess you can't blame anybody for not wanting to take a chance on hitchhiking. How far are you coming from, sailor? Well, I just got my discharge in California the other day. In the hospital out there. Yeah, I guess that means you earned one of those campaign ribbons the hard way. Huh. Wasn't as hard for me as it was for some of the other fellows, though. Where are you bound? Amarillo. Well, so am I. No kidding. Is that home? Yes, sir. My uncle has a place outside of town. He's a retired rancher. I see. Well, now that you're out of the Navy, what are you going to do? Well, I got to go to work. Say, uh, you haven't got a job for me, have you? <laughs> I'm afraid a young fellow with your experiences wouldn't find my kind of business very exciting. Well, what kind of business are you in, sir? I pick up stocks of jewelry that small retail stores get stuck with and sell at an auction at my shop in Los Angeles. Oh, I see. I'm picking up some stuff in Amarillo this evening. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, uh... What's a good hotel in Amarillo? Well, uh, two or three good ones. Oh, but look, mister, you don't have to spend your money on a hotel. What do you mean? Well, you've been nice to me. Give me a lift. I know my uncle would be more than glad to have you. Why don't you stay with us till you get ready to go back? Well, no, I, I wouldn't want to impose. Oh, you don't impose on people in Texas by staying with them, mister. You'll make them very happy. <laughs> and besides, you'll get some real old cow hand cooking and lots of fresh air that's swell for sleeping. How about it? Sold. Swell. Some 300 miles back west, and shortly before the hitchhiker was picked up, Special Agents Allen and Burnett of the FBI's Los Angeles office engaged in a manhunt 
landed at the Albuquerque airport in response to a police report. After a brief conference at police headquarters, they procured a car and drove at once to a tourist camp west of the city for a talk with the owner. Well, gentlemen, that picture sure looks like the young fellow that stopped here last night, all right. Only he was wearing a sailor suit with a lot of ribbon. What kind of a car was he driving, sir? Um, it was a black Chevy sedan, California license. Do you remember the license number? Um, no, sir. About how old was it? Well, I'd say it was the same as my brother's got, the 42. Oh, that checks for that. Uh-huh. What name did he register under? Um, Jack Smith. Uh, here it is on the register right over here. There it is. Jack Smith. Mm-hmm. Burnett, where's that yeah. sample of Jack Newton's handwriting? Uh, here you are. Mm-hmm. I'd say it was the same writing, Alan. Yes. May we borrow this page for a few days, sir? We'll return it to you. Why, sure you can. Uh, his real name is Newton, huh? Well, the man we're looking for used the name of Jack Newton. He jumped his parole in Los Angeles two days ago. Got a sailor uniform, some ribbons, rented a car, and took out with it. Wow. We put out a general police alert as soon as the car was reported missing, but we were just a little too late with it to nail him here. What time did he leave, sir? I didn't pull in till around daylight, except about noon, then took off. And that gives him about a six-hour start on us. That's well, right. if he kept on east on this highway, he could have made Amarillo by now. Can I use your phone, sir? Why, certainly. Help yourself. What's our move, Alan? We'll notify Amarillo to spread a 300-mile alarm, then head for there ourselves. <laughs> This way, Mr. Ogden. Very well. This will be your room right here, sir. Thank you. I still feel that this is sort of an imposition. I wish you'd stop saying that, Mr. Ogden. You're going to make my uncle real sore, right, Uncle? He certainly will. You were nice enough to give my nephew a ride here. least I can do is try to repay you for that kind. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Any particular time you want to be getting up in the morning? Yes, pretty early. I have to be in town by nine o'clock. Well, we'll see that you're up on time, Mr. Ogden. Sure. That's no problem here. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good night, sir. Good night. Good night, Mr. Ogden. Good night. Now, Jack, suppose you give me the tally on all this. When we get out of range? Okay. Now, what's the story? Well... I land out of L.A. three days ago. Yeah? This morning, the hot car I was driving got too hot and caught fire, so I had to hoof it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a few miles down the road, see, when this Ogden guy gives me a lift. That's fine, but why'd you bring him here? I'm not going in any tourist camp. Let me give you the whole rundown, will you? Well? I pumped the guy on the way in. Found that he's a jewelry auctioneer in Los Angeles. Legitimate businessman? That's right. Look, son. Running a hideout for you cross-country boys in trouble and taking in legits at the same time is dangerous business. I don't want Let to... Let me get... finish, will you? This guy's going into Amarillo in the morning to pick up a load of jewelry. Then he's coming back here again. Get it? Oh. If we can't figure out some way to split that jewelry between us, we ought to give up. Now, do you see why I brought him here? Yeah. Yeah. Does it uh, still bother you? Bother me? Son, how can you say such a thing? I've never entertained a more welcome guest. Well, we've knocked off 240 miles of it, Alan. Yeah, that leaves about 50 more to Amarillo. I hope there's good news waiting for us. Not much chance this soon. We didn't contact Amarillo from the tourist camp in time for them to head off Newton before he got there. But they spread out a 300-mile alarm north, east, and south of there. I know. Slow down, Bernard. Huh? What for? There's a car off the road there, up ahead. Oh, yeah. No taillight, either. Oh. Maybe we better have a look. You don't think we're going to find Newton parked out here? Bernard, look. That car's been on fire. Yeah. Come on, let's take a look at it. All right. Looks pretty well burned out. Yeah. Ted, you got your flash? Yeah, right here. 
Hey, look at that license. It's Newton's car, all right. There's no one in it. This will make Newton a little harder to find. Well, he's still probably wearing a sailor suit, and certainly he still has the same face, hair, eyes, and build. And if he's on foot now, that could slow him down a lot. I hope so. He might even be somewhere around Amarillo right now. Well, let's take a quick look around here and then drive in there and find out. you to stay in the house and keep a lookout for Ogden. It's not back from town yet. What's with the digging? Well, to tell you the truth, this is something special for him. What do you mean? Well, we can't take his jewelry and let him go, can we? What? That'd be all right for you, because you're pulling out. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm staked out right here, and he could have the law on me in no time. Yeah, but if you're bumping Look, him off... Who'd ever think he was buried in a hole down back old man Fillmore's corral? I'm a respectable citizen in these parts, son. Yeah, sure, but just the same down. Listen. There's Ogden now. Just pulled into the drive. Come on. Let's get back to the house. That you, Mr. Ogden? Uh, yeah. Uh, Jack and I is down to look after the stock a little. Oh? Have to treat him like babies, you know. Yes, <laughs> I'll bet you do. Come on up to the house. Very well. Just get your business in town, taken care of all right? Yes. Hold on. You mean you got that suitcase full of jewels? Well, not quite full. Kind of dangerous traveling with them, I'd think. But I reckon you packed a gun with you. Yes, but thank goodness I've never had to use it yet. Go in, sir. Go in. Thank you. Go ahead, Jack. Thanks. Well, Jackie, you might as well set your jewels down right here in the kitchen, Mr. Ogden. I beg your pardon? Look, it's me that ought to be begging your pardon instead of you begging mine. But I guess we won't make any ceremony about it. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Well, now, maybe this will be more convincing. All right, son. Take his gun off him and any identifying papers that might be in his pocket. Yes, yeah, sir. I'll take a look in this suitcase. Man, must be a fortune in jewels in here. I couldn't. Find his gun? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Let's look at all this stuff. Unc. Huh? You slugged Ogden with that blackjack. Yeah? The cops found Ogden's gun in his hand. They might figure he shot you just before he passed out, right? I suppose they would if that was the case. What do you mean, sir? I mean, this way I get all the jewels in Ogden's car, too. Now, wait a minute. You can't do it. You know what? Maybe there would have been room for both of you in that hole. We will return in just a moment to tonight's case, which shows how your FBI helps provide national security. Now, let's listen in on a conversation about social security between a high-salaried executive and his friend, the Equitable Society representative. Well, frankly, Milton, I've never given much thought to social security. I suppose it's a good thing for the man who earns $40, $50 a week. But when you get a lot more than that, it's pretty much small potatoes, isn't it? I don't know, Paul. Is $8,000 small potatoes to you? Of course not. But what's $8,000 got to do with Social Security? Look, Paul, when you get to be 65, it will cost you $8,000 at today's rates to buy an annuity that would give you the same retirement income you'll get under Social Security. And $8,000 is a lot of money. Well, I'll say it is. When you put it that way, Milton, Social Security is an asset to any man, whether he makes $50 a week or 500 Yes, many Americans don't realize what a wonderful asset they have in Social Security. They have never discovered how easy it is to build Social Security into full security through life insurance. Well, that's a job that we representatives of the Equitable Society are always glad to undertake. For instance, if you already own some life insurance... Your Equitable Society representative 
may be able to show you how only a few dollars extra per month will give your family complete protection and assure you a comfortable retirement income through the Equitable Extended Income Plan. Remember, your Social Security benefits vary according to your age, salary, and family situation. So why not get the facts and find out exactly what you are entitled to under Social Security? The government has prepared a special card that will help you secure this information. To obtain one of these cards, get in touch with your Equitable Society representative or send your name and address on a postcard to the Equitable Society care of this station. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now, back to the FBI file, The Friendly Hitchhiker. There are hundreds of honest persons in and out of uniform hitchhiking along the highways of America today. But the safest policy for any motorist is this. No matter when or where you see a hitchhiker's thumb, keep right on going. It may cost you no more than time to stop, but in thousands of cases, it has cost a lot more. Special Agents Allen and Burnett of the FBI had arrived at the Amarillo Police Headquarters when a telephone call came in from the Fillmore place just out of town. Since the message involved the man they were trailing, Allen and Burnett were given complete charge, and a few minutes later... All right, Mr. Logan, let's have the rest of the story, sir. Well, when, when I came to, I, I was lying on the floor there. Not more than three feet from his body, and I, I had the pistol in my hand. This is your pistol, Mr. Ogden? Yes, but... I, but I swear I didn't shoot him. Well, if you were being threatened with a blackjack, you would have been justified in defending yourself. But there wasn't time. It, it all happened so quickly. Mr. Ogden, just how were you lying on the floor when you came to, sir? Well, I would... Will you show us? You don't mind, sir? Of course I don't. Thank you. I was just about like this. Half on your right side like that? Yes. And when you came to, sir, where was the pistol? I was holding it in this... In my... Why, well, that proves I couldn't have shot him. The pistol was in my left hand. Where is your shoulder holster placed? Why, well, here, you, you can see for yourself, right here. Under my left arm. I'm right-handed. If I had shot Fillmore, the gun would have been in my right hand. Well, Mr. Ogden, we're not trying to pin a murder on you, sir. In your case, it wouldn't have been murder anyway. We're merely trying to establish evidence that will help fasten the guilt on the real murderer. It's pretty obvious what actually happened. Yes, you see, after Fillmore struck you down... Jack Newton took your gun, shot Fillmore, put the gun in your hand, took all the jewels for himself, and escaped in your car. But in his hurry, he made the mistake of putting the gun in your left hand. I'm awfully glad he did. Burnett, will you get on the phone and start telling the police about the body? Yeah, right. Before you're through, I'll have Mr. Ogden's full description of his car. Operator. Operator, get me Amarillo Police. And Burnett, have the police broadcast a description of Newton and the car, then set up roadblocks as quick as possible in every direction. Now, uh, Mr. Ogden, you'll give me a full description of your car. Okay. Cream and sugar? No, just blank. Okay. There you are. Thanks. Like something with that? Uh-uh. Your jelly donut? I don't want nothing. Okay. Which way you travel? Why? Making conversation. Heading east. Oh. Well, the reason I asked was if you're going to be on the road tonight, you'd better look out. For what? For what I heard on the radio. 
What are you talking about? It was an FBI broadcast. What? They said everybody should be on the lookout for this man that just murdered somebody in Amarillo. They say what he looked like? Huh? They said he was about 25 years old and had brown hair and kind of greenish eyes and might be wearing a suit. Oh, yeah. Well, well, you only had coffee. Yeah. Well, well, wait a minute to get some change. Huh. Probably scared him. Tell him about that. Wait a minute. Brown hair, green eyes, sailor. Hey, operator, operator. Scott Roadblock set up a radius of 300 miles around that road. Good. How's your map coming? Well, I've got just about every roadside gas station, lunch stand, and tourist camp on the entire area staked out with these pins. Oh, good work. Uh, are they going to repeat the broadcast? Every half hour till we make a strike. And then all we've got to do is sit right here at the phone, they've assigned us, and wait. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That's been a half hour now since the third broadcast. We ought to be hearing it. I got my fingers crossed, Alan. Hello? Yes. Yes, we'll put her on, please. Who is it? Operator, Las Vegas, New Mexico. New Mexico? Newton must be doubling back towards California. Hello. Hello. Yes. Miss, miss, please talk a little louder and try not to be so excited. Go. So get your trucker rolling out of here for that long haul now. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Howdy. I uh, had a little trouble with my car. Broke down about two miles back. I'm afraid I can't be much help to you. Well, I didn't mean for you to go pull her in. Thought you might rent me a car to get to the next town. Well, there's uh, no car here till my brother-in-law comes to relieve me in the morning. Oh. Uh, but I'll tell you what I'll do, son. Oh, what's that? If you just wait right here, I'll go inside and phone for somebody to, to come out and get you. You just wait right out here. Wait a minute, mister. Well? You're not going to phone for anybody to help me? You're going to phone for somebody to come get me, just like you said. Huh? You heard that radio broadcast about me, didn't you? I don't know what you're lying. lying. But you're not going to trap me. Well, wait. Come back here. Hello there. Right this way, fellas. We're the special agents of the FBI. Hey, you fellas didn't come all the way from Amarillo since I phoned. No, we were already on the trail and called in and got your report. Well, he ain't missed him more than an hour and he's on foot besides. Good. Which way did he go? Well, he lit out running hard as he could down the road going west. He can't afford to keep to the road long. No, he'd get lost out there on the desert. A desperate man will take any kind of chance. Of course, he might stumble onto them caves off over there. Where's this, sir? Oh, about three miles across the flats where the hills begin. Burnett, let's see if we can pick up where he turned off into the desert. Right. If you do, you had not to have no trouble tracking him across that red sand. That's what I figured. Come on, Burnett. Oh, you might as well. 
Returned to the state of Texas to stand trial for the murder of Robert Fillmore. He was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment. As mentioned earlier, the average American's natural friendliness is an admirable trait and one to be preserved and encouraged. The greatness of our nation is based on friendship, and without it, our rendezvous with destiny would be meaningless. But your FBI asks you to exercise caution, particularly when you feel inclined to give a lift to a hitchhiker. The files of your FBI reveal case after case proving that the safest policy with hitchhikers is to keep right on driving. In just a moment, we'll tell you about next week's colorful story from the files of your FBI. And now, once again, friends, let me remind you that no matter how much you earn, you have a valuable asset in Social Security, and your Equitable Society representative will gladly show you how easy it is to build your Social Security into full security. He will explain to you how Social Security and life insurance can work together for your complete protection and will help you determine exactly where you stand under Social Security. No obligation, of course. Phone him tomorrow. Your Equitable Society representative is listed in your local phone book under the name The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, The Careless Kidnappers. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Frank Ferries, and your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI, is a Jerry Devine production. Now this is Milton Cross speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Careless Kidnappers on This Is Your FBI. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This Is Your FBI. This is your FBI, an official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community.
Are you one of the 50 million Americans covered by Social Security? If so, have you any clear idea of your rights and benefits under Social Security? Well, there may be a pleasant surprise in store for you. For in a few minutes, you will learn from our sponsor, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States, how easy it is to build Social Security into full security. Tonight's FBI file, The Careless Kidnappers. The business of crime in America is experiencing the greatest boom in the history of the nation. It has no problem of manpower, for today, one out of every 23 persons in America has an arrest record. And it has no problem of raw materials, for its raw materials are potential victims and money. And there's a population of 140 million people on hand who are making more money than ever before. Consequently, the wheels of every branch of crime including that dealt with in tonight's case from the files of your FBI, are rolling in high gear and turning out an all-time high production volume of a major crime every 17 seconds. In other words, since this program went on the air two and a half minutes ago, eight major crimes have been committed in this country. <laughs> Earl Bedford was, you might say, one of the most even-tempered persons in all the world. Unpleasant all the time. And her disposition is being far from sweetened at the moment by three things. The stifling mid-afternoon heat which is making a furnace of the Chicago apartment. The sight of her husband sprawled on the couch. And the brassy trumpeting of Satch, an unemployed friend who has been sharing the apartment. Pearl paces the floor, then suddenly stops and addresses her husband. Listen, stupid. Yeah, honey? I want you to go across the hall and stuff that bugle down that guy's throat. I will when I get tired of it. He's been blowing his brains out for an hour now. I like it. I don't. I'll quit beefing, will you? I'll stop beefing when you get out and get us some money. Look, don't start that again. Well, what are you waiting for? Woods are full of suckers with dough, and everybody's getting their share. Everybody but you. I am not interested in nickels and dimes. Oh. Oh, pardon me. When I make a score, it's going to be a big one. Well, you're not going to make it laying around there. Shut up. I won't shut up. Okay, okay. Where are you going? Going to see Science, where it's peaceful. Who's there? It's me, Broadway. Come on in. Science. Yeah? Play some more, will you? Play loud. (laughs) <laughs> You've been Reuben again? Yeah. What was it this time? Well, for one thing, Pearl don't appreciate your efforts on the trumpet, Satch. No kidding. Well, look, down at the casino, they're paying Hot Lips Hanover 7500 a week for the same kind of efforts. Paying them how much? 7500 pieces of that beautiful green stuff. It's a lot of money every week. It's a lot of money, never mind the time limit. Yeah. I guess this Hanover character would hate to stop working right now, wouldn't he? Want well, he to make that kind of dough? Hey, look, if I was making that kind of money, I... What do you mean? You come up with any idea yet how we can make a big touch? Ah, I think I have. Get Pearl in here. What for? I'm going to show her how lucky we are that you've been playing that trumpet. Broadway, you're taking a chance parking right in front of the stage door. Quit beefing, will you? Satch. Yeah? You sure you're right about Hot Lips Hannibal playing that benefit tonight? Yeah, as soon as he finishes his last show here, he's going right over to the Lakeside Hotel. If he can get through those kids around the door. Get the girls, take them 
All right, take the wheel, Satch. Make room in the back seat, Pearl. I'll go get him. I guess you get pretty tired of that kind of stuff. Come, Mr. Hanover. Yeah, I said... Well, I'm sorry. I was in such a hurry to get in the car, I'm afraid I didn't see its very attractive occupant. This is Miss Mason, Mr. Hanover. Hello. Pleased to meet you. Are you playing the benefit tonight, too, Miss Mason? Well, I... She's part of the show tonight, Mr. Hanover, but not the one at the hotel. Oh, what do you mean? I mean, she has to do with this gun at the side. What is this? You know, Wisconsin is lovely this time of year, Hannibal. You might get to enjoy a little of it if everything goes all right. That's up to you. It was shortly before noon the next morning when a little man with a big cigar dashed into the Chicago office of the FBI, where he was ushered into the presence of the agent in charge, Dixon, and told his story excitedly. And here's a ransom note, Mr. Dixon. It just arrived in the mail about 20 minutes ago, and I came over with it right away. I'm glad you did. They want $25,000. What are we going to do? Well, our first concern is the safety of the victim. Now, you say Hanover got in a car with someone outside the casino club last night. Yes. But he didn't show up at the hotel for the benefit, and that's the last anyone saw of him. Have any idea who he drove away with? Well, the man in the stage door heard somebody say that he had come over to pick Hanover up. Any description? No. See what kind of car it was? No. He didn't suspect anybody of anything. I'll get the ransom note off to Washington by airmail right away to have it checked for clues. Well, how about the 25000 You're instructed in the note to put an ad in the local paper, letting them know you're willing to meet their terms. You, you mean I'm willing? Aren't you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Then but for the uh, sake of Mr. Hanover's uh, safety, and to make it possible for us to go directly to work on the case, our advice is to meet the ransom terms as quickly as you can. Miss? Miss? Yeah? That guy inside there playing the trumpet. Does he have to do that? Why, Mr. Hanover, he's a fan of yours. He's got a strange way of showing it. That's how the snatch happened in the first place. What do you mean? He told us how good you were, how much dough you were making. That's what gave us the idea. Oh, now I really feel bad. Look, how much longer are you going to hold me here? That depends. On what? A car just stopped outside. I think you'll get your answer real soon. Hi, honey. What's the word? Hanover, it looks like you'll be out of the woods by tomorrow night. Oh? What do you mean, Broadway? The ad in the paper says they'll pay off. Here's where you come in, baby. How? You're going to pick up the dough. Are you kidding? Why? This is your party, sweetheart. If you think I'm going to be... Shut up and listen. Satch keeps Hanover here. You and I drive into Chicago tomorrow morning. At 11 o'clock, a woman in a blue dress wearing a gardenia will be standing at the perfume counter in Gordon's department store. I don't get it. You'll be standing next to her. When she leaves, she'll accidentally drop her bag. You pick it up and start after her. But instead of catching up with her, you go out the other way and bring the bag to me in the car. And there'd be 25 grand in the bag? That's right. Where's Sanch? Are you deaf? Just follow the sound of those musical notes. Oh. Satch. Yeah? Satch, you sure you can trust that brother of yours in Des Moines? Sure, he's 100%. Been running a hideout for three years. Never lost a customer. Okay, then go back inside and write him a letter. Tell him company's coming. Okay. I'll mail it in the morning in Chicago. 
Can I come in, Mr. Dixon? Come ahead, Webb. How'd you make out? I located a couple of the kids who were standing outside the casino stage door that night. All they remembered was a big black sedan. I see. Did you hear from Washington? Yes, I just received a teletype. The ransom note was written on cheap stationery that you can get at any store for a nickel. Mm-hmm. Handwriting doesn't check with any on file, and there were no fingerprints. No. Uh, what next? The ransom money is being picked up in the department store at 11 o'clock. Yes. At least we'll have a picture of whoever comes for the money. Well, uh, how's that? I've planted Jackson with a camera on a stepladder a couple of counters away, as though he's making pictures for display ads. And he'll get a shot of whoever picks up the bag. Right. And as soon as Hanover is safe, the hunt begins. Mr. Hanover, how about letting that thing cool off for a while? Don't stop me now. I just got it warmed up. All right, Sam. Thanks. Oh, hiya, Broadway. You got the money? Yep. Come on, we got to be moving. Okay. But look what I got. Mr. Hotlips gave me his own trumpet. Hey, that was real generous of you, Hanover. Generous? Well, what else could I do? Sat, you didn't threaten me. I never threatened nothing. I just asked the man to give me his horn for a sort of parting gift, and he said no, so I started doing a little whittling with my knife. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Hanover, I'll have to blindfold you again. I'm used to it by now. Okay, here you go. Yeah, that's got it. That's it, tight. Now, let's get started. Come on, Sat. Okay. Broadway. Yeah? Tell me about the dough. What about it? The whole twenty-five thousand? Sure. Hey, that ain't bad. Twenty-five thousand divided by three. That's a nice hunk for me. Over eight G's. Uh-huh. Where's Pearl? Over there in the car. Is she gonna beef about what? About cutting me in for a third. Ah, she ain't gonna beef about nothing. It don't sound like Pearl. Get behind the wheel, Satch. You drive. Okay. We head right in for. Hey. What's the matter? Look at Pearl. Well? <laughs> no wonder she can't beef. She's dead. waiting until the victim is released. Your FBI severely handicaps itself in the task of apprehending the kidnappers. But the safety of the victim comes first, and strict adherence to its rule of waiting has meant, in scores of cases, the difference between life and death for the victim. As for the kidnapper, no matter how much of a start this rule of waiting gives him, the advantage is inevitably lost. For like any other criminal, he always leaves one or more traces of his crime, which, in turn, lead always to his capture. Released by his kidnappers shortly after dark in a suburb of Chicago, the victim Hanover identified himself to a passing police patrol and was driven swiftly to the city to FBI headquarters, where he gave an account of events up to the time of his release. I was still blindfolded when they put me out, so I was unable to get a good description of the car. They've probably gotten rid of it by now, anyway. But the body of that woman was still in the car. They've probably gotten rid of that, too, Mr. Hanover. Mr. Hanover, we have a picture here of the woman who picked up the ransom money. One of our agents snapped it in the department store. Here it is. Uh-huh, that's her, all right. They call her Pearl. We haven't been able to identify it yet with anybody in our files or at police headquarters. I see. Webb? Yes? Get a teletype off to Washington right away on those nicknames. Uh, Broadway and Satch? Yeah, that's right. Washington may be able to find something on them in the nickname file. Right. Mr. Hanover, you said we might be able to find the cabin where they held you. Yeah. They blindfolded me, of course, before we got out of Chicago that night. Uh-huh. 
But after a while, the blindfold slipped a bit. And I remember seeing that we went north after passing through Kenosha. Yeah? Then they discovered the blindfold had slipped and fixed it back. Oh? But about 15 minutes later, we passed over a wooden bridge. I could hear the planking rattle. Uh Uh-huh. I got a sudden idea. As soon as we were off the bridge, I snapped on the second hand on my wristwatch here. It's a stopwatch model, you see. Oh, yes. We turned right. And when we stopped at the cabin, I stopped the watch. Good. When they took the blindfold off, I noticed that we had traveled four minutes and 28 seconds from the bridge. Good for you. I wish all kidnapped victims would be that alert. Now, how fast was the car traveling, would you say? Well, Broadway kept warning Satch to hold the speed to 35 miles an hour because of the highway police. Uh Uh-huh. Hanover, this may be the lead that helps crack the case, if we can find that cabin. This is the cabin, all right, Mr. Dixon. Flash on your light, Webb. Right. Let's look around. Somebody's bound to have left a fingerprint or two somewhere around here. Uh, Would they likely be on a drinking glass? Definitely. Why? Oh, there's the glass Broadway used to drink whiskey out of last night. This one here? Yeah. Hold that light closer. Okay. Look at them. Yes, three clear prints. We'll get those all right. Uh, Webb, put your hand inside the glass and hold it steady, will you? Right. I'll just get this powder and this tape out. How do you take the prints? Well, we'll cover them with dusting powder. Take a strip of this lifting tape, stick it on over the dusted prints, and peel the tape off. Well, the impression of the prints is on the tape. Yes. Mr. Dixon. Yes? This uh, writing tablet here on the table. Look at the paper. Yes. It looks like the same kind the ransom note was written on. And the inside of the cover is a blotter, too. Look, it's been used. Yeah, the one called Satch wrote a letter on the tablet last night. Broadway was going to meet Chicago this morning. Hey, give me that mirror, Webb. Okay. Here. Now, see if we can make out those blotted letters. Have to hide out with you for a... I guess he means for a while. That looks like part of an address down a little farther. Uh-huh. Moine. Des Moines, Iowa. I can't make out the rest. Well, that's enough to start us on our way to Des Moines, though. Right. Well, let's get back to Chicago first and see if we can identify these prints. Hey, Broadway. Yeah? You see my trumpet? Down to the couch. What you doing there? I put it there. Why? I couldn't take any more of that plan. You just don't like music. Not that kind of music. Well, you're unhappy because you got lots of money and you can't get outside to spend it. Yeah, maybe that's it. How long do you think we ought to stay here with my brother? Till the heat's off. How long will that take? Another ten days or so. It's oh, a long time. Wish I had my Hanover records out here so I'd have something to play against. That's all we need. Wait a minute. Hmm? I just thought of something. What? The radio. They should be playing them on one of the stations out here. Hey, give me my trumpet. Teletype just in from Washington, Mr. Dixon. Thanks. Well, here's the works, Webb. The prints on the glass belong to Joseph Bedford, extortionist, swindler. Yes. And the nickname port says Bedford's nickname is Broadway. Good. As for the nickname Satch, the only one on record belongs to a man named Johnson who works with Broadway Joe Bedford. Mm-hmm. Well, what's our next move? First, let's take a look around in Bedford's Chicago apartment. Here's his last known address. Maybe Satch lived there, too. Right. And then we'll head for Des Moines. What luck, Webb? Well, I've combed all the record stores here in Des Moines, Dixon, and nobody answering Satch's description has bought any Hanover recordings. I don't understand that. There must have been at least a hundred Hanover records in his Chicago room. It's a cinch they have gone under here somewhere. 
If only the rest of that address had come off on the blotter. Well, anyway, the photos of Broadway and Satch arrived here by air a little while ago. We won't have any trouble identifying them when we... Wait a minute. Got an idea? Hanover said wherever we found Satch, we'd find him playing that trumpet. Yes, but... And he's got to have a recording to play against. And for Satch, it's got to be a Hanover recording. He hasn't bought any here. Maybe he wouldn't have to buy any. What? It's a long chance, but it's one worth trying, and it just might pay off for us, too. My boy, Broadway, drop the needle and give us a downbeat, son. Sash, can I throw a little bribe money at you? Sash, listen to me, will you? Sash, you say something, Broadway? I give 50 bucks for that trumpet. Hey, look, this horn is a hot left hand over original, remember? Okay, hijacker, I'll give you 50 bucks to stop playing just for a fight. Cut off that radio. It's the idea. Sorry to break up the party, boys, but we're special agents of the FBI. What? They're both under arrest for kidnapping. And there's an extra charge of murder for you, Bedford. A car with your wife's body in it was just found a while ago. Okay. How did you find us? Well, we figured since you didn't bring any Hanover recordings with you, and since you didn't buy any in Des Moines, you might be requesting some to be played in the recording broadcast. Huh? Well, when your call came in, we had it traced here to your brother's house. Give me that horn, Satch. Hey, look out, Broadway. What are you going to do? Broadway! Never mind. You won't be needing it anyway. For their crime of kidnapping, Joseph Bedford and Robin Johnson are serving life terms in a federal penitentiary. Bedford was not tried for the murder of his wife inasmuch as she was her husband's accomplice in crime, and he has received a life sentence anyway for kidnapping. Although fewer kidnappings are committed than any other major crime, their number has increased proportionately with the alarming upsurge of crime in America. According to Mr. J. Edgar Hoover, director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, crime has increased 13% in the last six months as compared with the corresponding period last year. In a crime survey just compiled by your FBI, we find larceny up 9.8%, aggravated assault, 10%, auto theft, 15.5%, burglary, 17%. Negligent manslaughter, 19.2%. Murder, 28.5%. And robberies have increased 31.8%. These are startling figures. Figures that call for a doubling of effort on the part of all of us. So that this present crime wave shall not become a tidal wave engulfing you. The American people. In just a moment, we'll tell you about next week's colorful story from the files of your FBI. And now, once again, friends, let me remind you that no matter how much you earn, you have a valuable asset in Social Security. And your Equitable Society representative will gladly show you how easy it is to build your Social Security into full security. He will explain to you how Social Security and life insurance can work together for your complete protection and will help you determine exactly where you stand under Social Security. No obligation, of course. Phone him tomorrow. Your Equitable Society representative is listed in your local phone book under the name Equitable, E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States.
next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Return of the Mob. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious. And any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Mates, I hope you enjoyed both of today's tales of crime and deception. Both of these tales are such classics of the OTR series. Notice it'll be different to other OTRs in this era. Is that both these episodes have very little slang. Not sure if you noticed, but they don't use terms like broad, moxie, dame, like other old-time radio series do. When listening to the Black Museum or Halls of Fantasy or even Suspense, they sure use different kinds of language, despite being set in the same time frame. Like a book, each writer in each of the OTRs has a different flair to their stories, and you can really tell when one writer has a passion for dialogue, it tends to shine on through. Mind you though, this OTR series may be easier to follow than most, and as a result, would probably be a great way to introduce old-time radio episodes to a new listener. Either way, I hope you enjoyed today's remastered episodes. Well, you little lovelies, have a kick-butt day or relaxing night. And if you have a couple of seconds spare, swing on by my iTunes page. You can find it in the episode notes or search iTunes itself. Feel free to email me as well should you run into any issues in leaving a review. I'd be happy to help, and I know how tough it can be. Stick with me Wednesday, where I'll be narrating a listener story, which I absolutely love. And I can't wait to have you all hear it. As always, folks, till next we meet.